Keeping the faith in the family. Keeping the family in the faith. The scripture is perfect and applicable. The more that we study, the more biblical. Our lives can become, we can even be fun. So long as the truth is our prize. O Lord of all, make us holy and wise. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Faith and Family Radio Show. I'm Ryan, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Elaine. Say hello, Elaine. Hello, Elaine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Go to faithfamilyradio.com for more episodes and information about the show. Today, we're talking about counting the cost. What does that mean, Elaine? Well, I could tell you what I think it means, but really I think the scripture could uh, speak more than I could. So why don't we read the scripture and then talk about it? Okay, and what scripture are we going to be reading for today? We're going to Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to read verses 25 through 34. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The verse really talks about what it means to be a follower of Christ and what the cost is to us personally, that it will cost everything. It will cost your family um, and other loved ones, and it will cost you, ultimately it can cost you your life. And the interesting thing is it talks about, it you know, gives comparisons. There's the builder um, who needs to count the cost to be able to finish the building. And then there's the king who's going to war and counting the cost to see if he can win the battle. So, honey, do you think that you counted the cost when you were first a Christian? Do you think you really understood what turning from your sin and putting your faith in Christ was going to cost you? No, absolutely not. In fact, I didn't even realize that I was saved when I was really saved because I was a false convert. Mm-hmm. And being a false convert, you never count the cost. You just think, oh, yeah, this is a, a way to get out of hell. Sure, I'll say the prayer. I'll walk the aisle. I'll raise the hand. But no, when I was actually saved, soundly saved, it was an instantaneous thing. I, there was no thinking of counting the cost. There was just a an opening of my eyes really, that, hey, I need to turn from sin. I need to trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that's what I was doing at that moment. It, it, it just kind of happened. Almost like Paul on the road to Damascus, mm-hmm. or Saul who became Paul, I should say. And I don't think many Christians do count the cost, at least at, at their conversion. I'm sure mm-hmm. many of them count the cost after the fact. I think there's a lot of thinking, well, I don't want to go to hell, but not thinking of 
I'm going to have to lose everything at the same time to gain that. Right. The Bible talks about how you will be persecuted for Christ's righteousness or for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how it'll talk about how your father will be against you, your family will be against you, and basically everyone will be against you. Mm-hmm. Now, honey, what do you think is the biggest thing? That being a Christian has cost you. Can you think of some instances where you felt like the cost was great being a Christian? It cost me death. It cost me my sin. It cost me eternity in hell. That's a lot of a lot of cost. Not that I w- wasn't willing to give that up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, have you lost any people who were close to you? Have you suffered any sort of hardships just for being a Christian? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, you know, I'm not nearly as close with my family as I once was. I think part of that is because of the Christian lifestyle. You know, the, the fact that I have turned from sin and put my trust in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it, while they still love me and I still love them, you know, dearly, there is definitely that divide there. Mm-hmm. That that separation. Mm-hmm. What about you, honey? I would say that those who I was once closest to have been the ones that I lost the quickest, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, people who I love dearly, some I even looked up to, now it's very uh, awkward and hostile even, and it comes down to my faith. I know it does. Just by the dialogue that's happened or the things that people don't agree with me on. Well, I should say they don't agree with God on it because that's where I stand is on the scriptures. But yeah, so I would say it's the the people who I uh, love that I've lost. That to me has been the dearest cost. And to just keep my focus on Christ though, because he is worth everything that we will lose, everything that we will have to endure. As far as physical hardships, I haven't suffered really from severe persecution at all. I, I wouldn't say that has been a big part of my life aside from the family issues. You mean you're not being chased down the street with pitchforks and torches? No, not yet. <laughs> that day will come, though, I bet. <laughs> Get ready, America. Well, we live in a culture where Christianity for the longest time has come with little or no cost, but we can see that that's starting to change. So, yeah. yeah. You know, there you made me remember a comic strip, uh, Adam Ford, Adam Ford, the number 4D.com, Adam Ford.com has these wonderful Christian comic strips that he comes out with every couple of days or every week. And he had this one. Oh, a couple months back, I think, mm-hmm. where it was all about uh, n- normal, getting away from normal, and how things are getting crazy with the Christian life, with persecution. Mm-hmm. And in the very end, it, it ends up with saying, no, we're, we're leaving crazy here mm-hmm. in America, and we're heading towards the normal Christian life with the increase in persecution of Christianity. Now, honey, how do you think you would respond to severe persecution? I know you haven't encountered more than name-calling and awkward relationships with people who knew you before you were saved, but what do you think your response would be if it got serious with the persecution? Crying like a baby, (laughs) begging for my life. 
fetal position, stuff like that. Thumb that, sucking, yeah. Thumb sucking, yeah, that, that, that all sounds typical for something I would do. No. Uh, I could see you being nervous just like you are when you go out witnessing. <laughs> or when you come back and you're like, oh, this person was all up in my face. And how you were n- nervous, but God gave you the strength to be bold at the same time. Mm, yeah, that is... That is definitely a work of God because in and of myself, I would much prefer the fetal position and thumb sucking than to stand up to someone yelling at me and telling me to get out of there or they'll punch me in the face and stuff like that. I mean, that would make me cry. (laughs) Maybe it's just because I'm a woman, but someone getting in my face and be like, "Ah," I'd be like, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> you know, I, I turn and I'll get all teary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely not a fun experience when that happens. Mm, um, that. You know, with me, I have this involuntary jitter when I'm nervous. My my, if you've ever heard the term knees knocking, that's me when mm. I'm when I'm nervous. If, if you see me wearing shorts and I'm nervous, you'll see my legs <laughs> literally shaking. Uh, underneath me when I, when I'm really nervous. And that typically is what happens when I'm out on the street, just with the slightest persecution, it'll start happening. And, you know, I actually, you know, I have to try and calm myself down even in the moment and Mm -hmm. take a deep breath and try to relax. And sometimes it it doesn't go away until maybe an hour later. Mm -hmm. Well, it's almost like an adrenaline rush then, would you say? Mixed with, like, uncompromising fear. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. definitely could say that it's similar to an adrenaline rush. We'll be back with more on persecution on Faith and Family Radio. Ohio Fire is coming to Columbus, Ohio, April 8th and 9th. Hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries, Ohio Fire will encourage and train Christians to mature in their faith and share the gospel with the lost. Hear Phil Johnson and Dr. Thomas White on the topic, the Word of God. And after the conference, you'll have a chance to hit the streets of Columbus with trained team leaders. Ohio Fire, April 8th and 9th. For details and to register, go to ohiofire.org. Imagine Jesus walking onto your local college campus. What would he say? Would he be like Matthew chapter 9, seeing the people harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? And say, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At Christian Collegiate Network, we are sending workers into the harvest. We are training students how to proclaim the glorious gospel. If you want to support our ministry at Christian Collegiate Network by becoming a campus leader or financially, go to changeyourcampus.com. And we're back at Faith and Family Radio. Check us out at faithfamilyradio.com or Facebook, Twitter for more info. We are talking about persecution, counting the cost, what it means to be a disciple of Christ, um, what it will cost us, which is a lot. But in the end, the trade-off is far more valuable. Absolutely. You get to go to heaven. You get to be with Jesus for Mm -hmm. all of eternity. Didn't Paul say, I count everything as rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ? Yes, I believe that's Philippians. 3.8? It's it's somewhere in, in the Philippians. Bible. <laughs> um, so we are seeing a shift in the way Americans are dealing with Christians these days. 
we are seeing an increase in persecution in our country. And we are seeing it in several different ways. We're seeing um, Christians being belittled for their faith. They're, they're just, you know, that's Stone Age thinking there. That's one that can happen quite often. Well, you know, not even just in our country. I know that's going to be our focus for today's show. But around the world, there is an increase in Christian persecution. Uh, for example, just the other day, there was this bombing at like a park where Christian, it was on Easter Sunday, where Christians mm-hmm. were celebrating Easter with with their families and someone blew up a bomb in the middle of the, all these families, mm-hmm. killing a, a lot of people. That's right. And we're going to get to that a little bit more about severe persecution. Um, right now, we're kind of going to focus on American persecution on the rise. And then we're going to get into the more the more deep stuff like what you're talking about, honey. I mean, everyone knows that story from a while back of the the couple who refused to bake the gay wedding cake and how much... Uh, news coverage that got where it is costing them hundreds of thousands, well, a hundred and some odd thousand dollars. I believe it was $135,000, which they did pay with their GoFundMe account, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then they still got thrown in jail or taken to court or punished over and above the $135,000 fine. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're seeing... With the rise of homosexual rights and other rights, we're seeing the rights of Christians being stripped away. And to me, that seems a little bit unfair that these rights are being considered of certain uh, people groups and Christians are totally neglected. No, you have to conform and do what we tell you to do or you will go to jail because it, it they're basically deeming what we're doing as hate crimes. Yep. All because we want to love them enough to not let their sin go unseen. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're not only seeing just a mockery, um, an increase of people basically telling uh, those who are public about the profession of faith to keep it in their homes. We're seeing Christians having to go to court for their faith. And then, of course, we're seeing more physical hostility. And one of the places I think the where it gets the most physical is at the abortion clinics. Yes. <laughs> I, I first-hand experience with that. Do you think it is a conviction of sin that is causing that, the outburst like that? I do. I, I think there's a conviction of sin. I think there's demonic activity mm-hmm. that takes place at, at those gates of hell. I I think there is just a a hatred for anything godly there. Mm -hmm. We are seeing an increase in atheist groups trying to remove God from everything. We are just seeing our nation saying enough is enough. We don't want you Christians out there proclaiming your message anymore. And a lot of them view it as, or at least they'll proclaim it as though we are forcing our beliefs on people just by proclaiming the gospel. Mm-hmm. So we, we're seeing an increase in hostility among Christians in particular in our country. While we're seeing a decrease, I would say, among groups like homosexuals, Muslims, and, and you know, other people groups that maybe had more persecution in the past. Mm. And, you know, the Bible talks about how how the light came into the world and the people hated the light and they loved their darkness. They, mm-hmm. so they hated the light. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on is people hate the light. They hate Christians because we are the light of the world. We, we have Jesus. We shine the light of the world into the dark places. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, 
Well, here's an analogy. What happens when you go into a dark place filled with cockroaches and you shine a light? They scatter. They don't like the light. Mm -hmm. They like their filth. They like their wretchedness. They like the nastiness and the dark. I hate cockroaches. Yeah. <laughs> but that, not to say that... I love non-believers, though. Let me put that out there <laughs> with this analogy. That's not to say that people are cockroaches. I'm not trying to no, name no. call. It's just an analogy, but that's exactly what happens is as Christians, we are to shine the light of the gospel into this dark world. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, they scatter, they do, they hate us because they love the darkness, as Jesus said. But you know what, honey? We really do have it so easy still in America. I mean, there are countries where persecution is life-threatening, where proclaiming the gospel, where having a Bible study in your home can cost you everything, your life, your reputation, your job. Mm -hmm. I mean, the cost is so great, and we are just so ungrateful in America that we just don't even bother to fulfill the Great Commission while we have the privilege to do so. Right. It's insane. Um, I went to Open Doors USA. That is the group that does uh, Voice of the Martyrs. Oh, okay. And I found some statistics on there. It says that each month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the video not too long ago of the ISIS terrorists walking the Christians in the orange jumpsuits across the beach mm -hmm. and then beheading them. I think there were 22 mm -hmm. of them. Uh, it was a video that was posted on the internet and everything. And it's horrible. But again, we see people hate us because they hate the light. Mm -hmm. But you know, there is a lot to that of good that comes out of seeing Christians being persecuted like that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But we're not only seeing Christians being killed for their faith, we're seeing churches being destroyed, burned down, beatings taking place, rapes. A lot of Christian women are being forced into sex trafficking, mm -hmm. um, forced marriages go along with that. So it really shows, again, that we in America are so blessed right now that we can go to church and not worry about things like that of this nature, that we're not going to be abducted, that typically someone's not going to come in and shoot up our churches. But it also, I think, is a sober reminder that we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in other countries that don't have the same privileges. Yes. And one thing I've noticed here in America is a denial of Christian persecution among those who are unsaved. Mm -hmm. Now, I see that with unsaved friends on my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. They get on there and they rant or, or they talk about how they don't understand why Christians are saying they're being persecuted. I don't see any persecution. That's because you are blinded by your sinfulness. Mm -hmm. you, you don't see the truth. And it's true. I think there is something to be said that until you walk a mile in someone's shoes, you may not fully understand what they go through. And I think there are many who may not. I mean, they may look at like Joel Osteen and be like, Christians don't have it bad. Look at him with his, you know, house and his jet. And you know what I mean? Like, and think they don't have it as bad as they're claiming. Right. But also Joel Osteen is a man who does not preach on sin. 
repentance, the gospel, God's wrath, the gospel. So I definitely, and I, I would never want to lump myself or my brothers and sisters along with a man like Joel Osteen. That is not a man who preaches the Bible. He is not a Christian. No. So anyone who is not saved, who says that looks to him as a model of Christianity, stop. He he is not a Christian. He does not speak for Christianity. He is a false teacher. Mm-hmm. And there's many others out there. We'll be right back on Faith and Family Radio Show. If you're looking for a conference where you can be trained on biblical evangelism and street-level apologetics, especially on questions regarding biblical creation, we have just the conference for you. Our list of speakers is Pastor Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity Ministries, Dr. Anthony Sylvester Jr. from Creation Revival Ministries, and Ricky Gantz from G220 Ministries and the G220 Radio Host. There will be a free lunch and free registration for those who are registered by April 15th. Go to www.rememberedministries.org to register. You're listening to the Faith and Family Radio Show. The church in America is going to suffer so terribly. And we laugh now, but they will come after us. They will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad. While we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ, but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ, which of course is love and tolerance. You go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children, and for most of you, they got them. You got them through the public schools and indoctrination and the university and indoctrination and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little the net is closing around and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time, know this. Persecution is always meant for evil, but God always means it for good. And is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven? You must settle this in your mind. This is the one thing I want to say over and over. Do not believe. Down through history, you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution. You think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That was the real reason, but no one heard that publicly. They were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state, as child molesters, as bigots, as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God in common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. 
You want revival and awakening, but know this. For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, He is not done. He is not done. And note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. Welcome back to the show. Elaine and I, well, the whole family, are going to be traveling in the next month going to a couple of different conferences. Mm -hmm. The first one is going to be in Columbus, Ohio, or a suburb of Columbus, called Ohio Fire. You probably heard the ad going on somewhere during today's show and in previous shows. Go to ohiofire.org to register. It's a free conference, and there's lots of great teaching that takes place every year at this conference. We, we love going every year, mm -hmm. and we would love to meet you. So come on out, even if for nothing else than to come say hi. Yeah. We, we love to meet people and to talk with them about the Christian faith. The other conference that we're going to be at is called In the Beginning God, mm -hmm. which is a Christian conference up near Cleveland area somewhere. And that is April 23rd. And that's got some great speakers as well. And we're looking forward to being a part of that and getting to meet people there. So if you can't go to Ohio Fire, then go to the other one in the Beginning God Conference. If you can, come to both. And we'd love to see you. Aren't these both free conferences? Yes. And the In the Beginning God Conference, if you want to register for that, go to rememberministries.org mm -hmm. to sign up for that. And they even provide a free lunch if you sign up by the deadline. Oh. I think that's April 15th. But don't quote me. I don't have that right in front of me. So make sure you sign up for both of these conferences. Yes. Wonderful preachers. Wonderful fellowship. Hope to see you there. And get out there, learn more about the Christian faith and how you can better share it. So we've been talking a lot about persecution, about persecution in particular in our lives and just in our age, uh, our generation. But we are not the only Christians to ever suffer persecution. There have been many, many, many before us who have suffered and died. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I didn't ever read anything like that. One thing as I was preparing for this show was the reformers were persecuted strongly by the church. And that's something I don't think we think about when we think about persecution. When you say the church, are you talking about actual believers or are you talking about the Roman Catholic Church? The Catholic Church. You know, we had Martin Luther. We had uh, William Tyndale. Oh, help me out, honey. John Huss. The Reformers. Wycliffe. Yes, all the Reformers, um, some of whom were, were imprisoned, were burned at the stake. They were exiled by what should have been their brethren. Mm-hmm. All because they stood up and said, what does God's word say? 
-hmm. And they, they try to get back to Scripture. And we see that whenever we try to get back to God's Word, mm -hmm. there is persecution. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that it would happen in the church, too. It reminds me of um, you and others who have gone out street preaching, and seemingly the most hostile people are the ones that are professing believers. Yes. I think Richard's story, a friend on Facebook, recently put out a, a post that said something along the lines of some of the harshest words or the the fiercest people that we meet out on the street are those who first profess, I'm a Christian too. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. Mm -hmm. It's so sad too, because their eyes are blinded and they see Christians out on the street as being crazy, as being divisive and hateful. And for the most part, I would say that's not true. Strong biblical Christians that are out there proclaiming the gospel. I'm not talking about, you know, Westboro Baptist types. The Pelagians that are out there mm -hmm. preaching nothing but hellfire and damnation. Mm -hmm. we, we, we have seen those people out there and they're persecuted not for the gospel's sake. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, there are some people that I really admire in the faith that have suffered severe persecution. Um, a man named Jim Elliott, very, very well known in the Christian community, is a man who tried reaching a group known as the Aka Indians in Ecuador, only to have them turn on him and kill him and some of his uh partners in the ministry. So why is this a good story? Why are you bringing this up? <laughs> You're telling us about this guy who tried to reach people and it doesn't look like he was very successful. Well, that just goes to show that uh, we're not, but God is. Because God used what happened here in the lives of their wives and other people. And these people came back to these Indians, or yeah, these Indians, and ministered to them and they became Christians. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. In fact, didn't wasn't his wife one of those yes, people? His wife was one of the group that came back and ministered. Now that takes faith right there to know that these people murdered your husband mm -hmm. and you're still that doesn't just take bravery, that takes love mm -hmm. to still go back to these people after they murdered your husband and still lovingly share the gospel with them so mm -hmm. that they might turn from their sinfulness and turn to Christ. It's so amazing. And she wasn't the only wife. There was another wife that went and she actually stayed, I think, decades with them to minister to them and just became a part of the group and everything. And it's just amazing to show how God gave them um, a heart to forgive these people, to not harbor bitterness, and to go back and proclaim the gospel when they could have easily just said, forget this and move on. So th that is an encouraging story. A man named Richard, Richard Warmbrand is also another uh, kind of hero of the faith in that I love hearing the story of him standing up before all, the, all these communists and not being able to just buckle and deny Christ like they wanted him to. I remember reading his book, Tortured for Christ, mm -hmm. and reading about how they were, there was one time where people were spitting on a statue of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And his wife said, you get up there and you wipe that spit off of my Lord. I would rather, uh, and he said to her, I, I'll go to jail. And he said, she said to him, I would rather you be in jail than be married to a coward. Mm 
Yes, I love that. That shows a strong wife to me that stood firmly for the sake of her husband Mm -hmm. because he needed that in the moment. Yes. Because everyone around him was buckling. And so that's that's amazing. And and he himself spent years and years and years in prison and God used that. God used that. I mean, he was proclaiming the gospel, he was preaching, and he, I think he even says something like, "Oh, we have a deal. I preach a little and they beat me a little, so it works out everyone's happy." <laughs> <laughs> so it it just showed the right spirit too, like, uh, "Yeah, so I get beaten. It's all for the sake of Christ." Amen. I, I am reminded of Philippians one twenty one, where it says, "To die is Christ. To live is Christ. To, to, live is Christ, to die is gain." Mm-hmm. And that yeah. One of my favorite women. Now I want to put a little asterisk w- with this because there are some teachings of hers that are a little on the wonky side, but I admire her faith, and that is a woman named. Corey Ten Boom. And she and her sister and her father and a couple other members of our family just felt so strongly that as Christians, they were to protect God's people during World War II, that they hid Jews in their house. And it ended up leading to her and her sister and her father's imprisonment. And in the end, she was the only survivor. Mm. But if you read The Hiding Place, it's just a wonderful story of faith in this family and how they just trusted God with everything. And even um, her and her sister were, were thanking God for being in the prison at one point. They were thanking God for the bugs. And Corey's like, why on earth should we thank God for these bugs? And the bugs were keeping the guards out so that they could hold Bible study and minister to the women in the prison and share the gospel. So I love reading. I think I've read that book two or three times already. I love, love, love hearing it. I love hearing stories of these bold men and women of God who just showed perfect faith in the harshest of circumstances. Amen. Yeah, it almost makes you think about, you know, what have I done with my faith? Mm -hmm. What have I done in my Christian walk to come anywhere near mm-hmm. some of these people that we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel a bit lazy. It makes you feel like you haven't done mm-hmm. all that you should be doing for the sake of Christ. You know, one of the things that is the most, I think, shameful is we have a Voice of the Martyrs devotional book. And when I read about like children and their childlike faith and I read one story where a little girl was had like blood on her dress as she was dying and talked about how she wanted to show it to Jesus to show how she was willing to be to suffer like he was for her, but she was willing to suffer for him. Does that make sense what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And it's just like it's so humbling to hear a child have that mindset and then to ask myself how I would respond in the same circumstances. And, or like you said, to think about how I don't make the most of this time that the Lord has given me to do as much as I can for him and to do it with this boldness and the faith that these other men and women have. Right. We're, we're so comfortable here in America because of the lack of persecution mm-hmm. over the past 200 years or so, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get up off our seats mm-hmm. and get out there and proclaim the gospel and stop being comfortable. And that's, to me, I would say that's why 
our country is in the state it is in is because we've been comfortable mm -hmm. for so long. But what are we going to do when we're not willing to do it now when there is no risk? How do Why do we think it's going to be better, different, when everything is on the line? Mm. We'll be right back on Faith and Family Radio. Come to the Big Apple to learn how you can share and defend your faith biblically. Use your training to witness to people from all walks of life in places like Times Square, Battery Park, Chinatown, even, even on, on the, the subway. subway. Repentant Witness will push you to the limit from August 4th through the 7th. Register today at RepentantWitness.com to secure a spot. Sign up by May 10th and travel costs while you're in New York will be included for free. Are you ready for the ultimate, ultimate mission, mission trip? Go to RepentantWitness.com right now because space is very, very limited. limited. There are things that cause the heart to wonder. Awe-inspiring things that can't be explained. That you never thought you would see. After more than 4,000 years, it's your moment to encounter the Ark. The voyage begins again, July 7th. Counting the cost, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to carry a cross. So aren't we supposed to have an easy life as Christians, Ryan? I mean, didn't Jesus say his yoke was easy and his burden was light? Didn't he say he desired for us to have life and to have it abundantly? Um, why do we think that Christians need to suffer? Well, let me backstep for a moment there. And everything you just said is true. Mm -hmm. But here in America, it has a wrong meaning to it. It has a false meaning to it. Okay. You know, the fact that Jesus said his yoke was easy, his burden light, that is not to say that we will have an easy life. Mm -hmm. That is to say that we are basically freed from the weight of sin mm -hmm. and that by coming to the Lord Jesus, that it is easier to serve him than mm -hmm. to serve your sin, yourself, and to serve Satan. Amen. You know, when it talks about having life and having it abundantly, it's not talking about having a good life here on this earth. Abundant life is basically another way to say life eternal. What's more abundant than life that is eternal? Mm -hmm. What's greater than that? What what on earth could we have that would more describe that than, than eternity with Jesus? Nothing. There's nothing on this earth that we could compare with that and yes. say that's as abundant as knowing Christ. It's not. Now, that's not to say that we can't have an easy life here on this earth. You know, that's not to say that we should be out there looking for persecution. We, we shouldn't be going out and seeking persecution. We should be going out there and seeking to proclaim the gospel and share the truth of God's word. And if we do it biblically, we if we do it right, persecution will inevitably come. It's a natural outflow. It's the fruit of the labor. I mean, it's just natural that when someone is, pro like you were talking about earlier, when someone's proclaiming the light and how they, they hate the light, they love the darkness. So naturally, they're going to try and snuff out the light. Right. But this life is... But a vaporous scripture would describe it. Mm -hmm. We need to keep our eyes off of the temporal and start looking at the eternal. And Jesus, 
told us to count the cost. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. We gave the passage. So we should expect persecution if we're really counting the cost and we're all in when it comes to this uh, walk with the Lord. Yeah. And you have to be all in. There's no one foot in, one foot out type deal. You are either a servant of the Most High God or you are a child of the devil. And if you disagree with us, if you say that Christians should have a wonderful life, and maybe that's even the gospel message you preach, God has a wonderful plan for your life, I would encourage you to get a free book. Go to freewonderfulbook.com, and you can pick up a free copy, either PDF or audio version. I think they still even will send you a hard copy if you ask for it. But it's called God Has a Wonderful Plan for Your Life, The Myth of the Modern Message. And it talks about how, you know, we've been promised a lie here in America that God will give you health, wealth, all these blessings and no problems ever in this in this earth or on this earth in this life. But that's not true. You know, look at the disciples, look at the apostles, how how they died for the faith. Oh, you mean it didn't go over so well with them? They had easy peasy living after Christ was resurrected. Right. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't really hear Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer talking much about the lives of the apostles. Mm-hmm. That's true. I mean, and we we go to the scripture, we see exactly what they went through. We see uh, Paul is one that is a great example, being beaten imprisoned, shipwrecked. I mean, <laughs> he he had an interesting an interesting life and yeah. but well, look but, at the the very first martyr mm-hmm. of the Christian faith, Stephen. He was stoned for proclaiming the gospel. Where where's that at in the Bible, honey? That's Acts chapter 7, honey. Would you read the account? Yes. Starting in verse 54, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. That sounds pretty angry. (laughs) Yeah. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out, with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Who became Paul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. He died. And Elaine didn't uh, go into what led up to this, but he was preaching the gospel Mm -hmm. to the Jews, and they were not happy with the message he was sharing. He did not share with them a God has a wonderful plan for your life message. He shared with them that they were murderers, that they murdered the Lord Jesus Christ, and they weren't happy about it. No, it says they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. So it shows me not only were they hostile, they were just like unwilling to listen. Like they just like shut this guy up. Like 
that to me is like conviction of sin right there. He he must have been preaching something harsh. <laughs> yeah, he they didn't want to hear what he had to say because what he was saying was the truth. Mm-hmm. He was shining light into their darkness, mm-hmm. and they hate the light. Mm-hmm. And he was just one of many examples we see in the scriptures. We see also in Acts chapter 5, uh, some of the apostles had been preaching, doing signs and wonders, and had been arrested. And just cutting to the chase, I'm going to read chapter 5, starting verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they were, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, I probably butchered that, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men about 400 joined them. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might not even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So we see here Peter and the apostles being scolded and then being beaten and told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they left rejoicing. They left praising God that they were counted worthy to suffer for his sake. And I think the reason they rejoiced is because Jesus in Matthew 5, starting in verse 10, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against your against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we see clearly in scripture that the disciples did not have an easy peasy life. They did not drive around in a Rolls Royce. They Or a $65 million jet. You don't see them sowing seeds so that they can have, you know, whatever their heart's desire was. Or They weren't looking for worldly blessings. They were looking for eternal blessings. They were looking to serve their master. 
Yes. As should we. So how do we as Christians handle persecution? I think Ryan hit the nail on the head with that scripture verse. Absolutely. Rejoice. That is, if you are being persecuted for righteousness sake, if you're being persecuted for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And pray. Pray for boldness in those moments because we don't pretend like when persecution comes, it's going to be easy. Yeah. And pray for wisdom because sin can very quickly creep in during the persecution. Mm -hmm. I've been there, you know, having someone up in my face at the abortion clinic yelling at me, telling me all kinds of things, and I let sin creep in and pride creep in, and I said something I shouldn't have said, and all of a sudden their demeanor changed, and they just laughed and walked away. Mm-hmm. And that's because I Satan won in, in that battle. Mm-hmm. I, I let sin get to me instead of staying focused on the Lord and staying focused on the gospel. Mm-hmm. So do that. Stay focused on the Lord. Stay focused on the gospel. Pray. Ask God for wisdom, for discernment, for peace in those moments. And don't think that you can escape persecution. Don't think that. Be prepared. Yeah. We'll be right back on the Faith and Family Radio Show. In today's culture, we often hear the gospel presented, promising a wonderful plan of love, peace, and prosperity. But is that really what the Bible says? The most important reason not to use the wonderful plan message is that it isn't biblical to do so. In the Living Waters Classic, God has a wonderful plan for your life. Ray Comfort puts the message of the postmodern gospel under the light of Scripture to reveal the truth in God's plan. Go through the book of Acts and see if you can find any of the disciples telling sinners either that God loved them or that he had a wonderful plan for their lives. Instead, they confronted their heroes as guilty criminals, enemies of God, who desperately needed righteousness, not to be told that they could enhance their lives with God's wonderful plan. Author Bill Fay said, While reading this book, my heart went into atrial fibrillation. It's that good. After I finished it, I couldn't sleep. There's nothing like it. It is truly from God. Leonard Ravenhill called it a shattering publication. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Available at livingwaters.com. You're listening to the Faith and Family Radio Show with my mommy and daddy, Elaine and Ryan Uniac. You need to weigh in on the cost factor and count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It will cost you popularity. It will cost you promotion, perhaps, at times. It will cost you an easy life. You will have to discipline yourself. You will have to buffet your body. You will have to say no to temptation. You will have to say no to this world. You will have to break with the crowd. You will have to be willing to stand alone for Christ. You will have to be willing to walk to the beat of a different drummer and to to step out of the crowd even if no one follows after Jesus Christ. You'd be willing to stand if you're the only person in the world for Jesus Christ. That's the cost factor. You would have to be willing to suffer persecution for Christ. And let me tell you, it will come. It might even cost you your life. He is not coming to play games. He is not coming to be docile. He is coming to dominate and he is coming to slaughter. He is the King of kings, and He is the Lord of lords. And at the end of this age, He will bolt out of heaven on a white steed, and His garments are dripped in blood, the blood of His own enemies, and He is coming back to conquer and to damn. 
you need to make terms of peace with this coming king or you will be subjected in damnation forever. And Jesus Christ has made terms of peace. You need to settle out of court with him. You do not want to go into that final day of conflict with Christ. For He will be ruthless in the execution of His justice. But He offers you mercy today. He will agree to terms of surrender. He will agree to terms of peace. But they are His terms of peace, not ours. And His terms of peace are very simply this. You must hate your own father and mother and brother and sister and even your own life more than me or you cannot be my disciple and you must take up a cross and follow me or you cannot be my disciple and if you do not, you will meet me in the final judgment and it will glorify God in your destruction. He is pressing you for a decision. He will not be put off. You cannot hit the mute button any longer in your heart. You must answer to Him. Verse 33, so then. Conclusion. None of you can be my disciple. He is saying, none of you can be a true Christian. None of you can be in my kingdom. None of you can be in right relationship with me or the Father. None of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. What is our Lord saying? He's not backing off. He is increasing the commitment that he is calling for with every line of this section. Well, he's not saying that you have to buy your way into the kingdom of heaven, for none of us have enough gold and none of us have enough silver to ever remove the stain of sin that has defiled our inner soul. What is he saying? Who does not give up all of his own possessions? Well, this must be taken in context with other texts of Scripture. And let me just cut to the bottom line of the bottom line. You must transfer the ownership of all that you are and all that you have to all that He is. That's what He's saying. Your life is no longer your life. It is now His life. Your time is no longer your time. It is now His time. Your possessions are no longer your possessions. They are now His possessions. Your future is no longer your future. It is now His future. Your treasure is no longer your treasure. It is now His treasure. And you have transferred all that you are and all that you have to all that He is. That's what it is to meet His terms of peace. 
Yet the exchange is not bartered or bought with real money, but it is purchased with the total, complete surrender of your life to Christ. That's what saving faith is. It is coming to the end of yourself and completely and entirely entrusting all that you are and all that you have to all that He is. This is your eternal soul. This is the only life you will ever live. This deals with the only eternity you will ever have. And so he says, salt is good, but if even salt has become tasteless, meaning it gives evidence that it was never true salt to begin with, with what will it be seasoned? And the answer is nothing. Verse 35, it is useless either for the soul or for the manure pile. It's just no good to anyone. Not to God, not to Christ, not to the kingdom, not to the movement. You're just taking up a seat for someone else. There were other people who were trying to get into this. It is useless either for the soil. You're not even worth the toilet, spiritually speaking. Because you have not come to the place of total surrender of your life and supreme allegiance and supreme loyalty to Christ, you have not yet come under the Lordship of Christ and taken up a cross to follow after Him. And then he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You need to give strictest attention to what God has said in His Son. For God has spoken in His Son to us in this conference. And God has brought every one of us to this place. Not a one of us is here by accident or by happenstance, and it is the goodness of God and the mercy of God that has brought you to this place where you have heard of Isaiah 53. You have heard of the suffering Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who upon that cross became sin for us. Upon that cross, He died to self that He might live for us and that He might bear our sins and iniquities upon that tree and purchase our salvation. And there is salvation in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And He is calling out to you today. Come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will take you in and receive you unto myself. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. It is, it is. You will have the weight of sin lifted off of you. And you will have now the yoke of Christ upon you. And He gets into that yoke with you and He pulls with you. But it will require the total commitment of your life to Him. Oh, how we ought to search our hearts here today. Have I come to this place of total commitment in my life? Have I 
yielded my life to the sovereign lordship of him who died upon the cross for me. I want you to know that the gates of paradise have been swung open to you. And the narrow gate is open. And if you will take a step of faith and come through this narrow gate and commit your life to Him, despite the strength of His words, He also says, Him who comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He is calling you today to come, to come to Him, to take a step of faith and to come to Him. But if you come to Him, don't play games. You must surrender to Christ. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Faith and Family Radio Show. Please share our program with others and leave feedback on social media. Do you have a subject that you'd like us to talk about on a future episode? Let us know at faithfamilyradio.com or by calling 513-900-8070. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.